I think all of us at one point were have been fascinated by uh, magicians, right? Fascinated by the amazing things that you sit there and say, "How did they do that? I know they can't do that. That's impossible to do." I remember uh, watching uh, uh, TV and watching David Copperfield make the uh, make the Statue of Liberty disappear. Like now, I know he didn't make it disappear. I know it's there, and then. And then you go into a, a, you watch these uh, uh, these ex magicians show you how he did what he did, you know, and then various things like that, and uh, and it, you know it kind of takes the magic out of it. But but it's it's that's it's amazing that they did that. How did they pull that off? I, I know it can't be, but but the the thing about uh, magicians is all about misdirections. It's all about making your attention be on where it shouldn't be. Uh, and if you simply looked at what is happening and, and could take all the information in, you would see exactly what's going on, right? And that's the point of, of, of what makes a good musician, a magician, is, is they're, they're really good at getting your attention on the wrong thing. And I, not that it's the wrong thing, but sometimes in the Scripture, when we're looking at Christ and we're focusing on one thing, <clears throat> we're missing something else that, that Jesus is doing, now, in Jesus' case, it, 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 we're, we typically have our attention focused on one important thing, and we're missing a second important thing. And, and, and we, we get so focused on the things he said, which are the, the core of what he wanted to us to, to learn. And, and, and we're so focused on that, where we're focused on the, the lesser important magical nature of, of Jesus. Uh, we're focused on the supernatural things he did, the, the raising of people from the dead, and all those things that, 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 that we miss some of the simple things that Jesus do, uh, did that, that we ourselves can do, that, that don't require magical power. They don't require me to, to be a, a super wise, intelligent know all the doctrine, scripture, everything like that. They don't require that. They're simple things that we can do to become effective uh, in, in those things that we do know and, and we do say. Uh, and, and so we want to be observant of Christ in different ways, not just, not merely uh, a studier uh, of the things he said. And those are important, as I said. Um, but, but we want to be observant in, in a number of ways. Um, as I prepared for this message, I, I ended up having too much information, and I, I, I couldn't make the hard choice. Uh, you ever, I don't know if you've ever been there. It's like ah, I, I like all of these points. It's like watching a 1940s movie, you know, Gone with the Wind. It's like they, they didn't know what the cutting room floor was. You know, it's like it's like they wanted. I, I love that scene. I, I love that. And, uh, and Katie's been, she's been trying to write a book. And, 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 uh, and edits are hard because like, I like that. I like that part of the story. Yeah, but that might not be a good part. You know, and, and so, but we, we get so attached to it. And, and, and so in writing this, I had, I had to create another sermon. So I'm going to finish this sermon next week because I couldn't decide what to, to get rid of. So um, we're going to be talking about um, uh, two... Uh, Two messages on one idea, and that is looking at how Jesus restored. We, we talked a lot of things about service and, and, and various things, but one of the things that Jesus always did 
that, that was important to people was he always restored something. And I want to talk about uh, restoring simple things. Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14. This is our first one. And we're going to begin in verse 1. <clears throat> he says, Now it happened as he went into a house of the ruler of the Pharisees. He did that a lot, by the way. You ever notice that? <laughs> He's always in the house of the Pharisee doing something that was going to create problems or create a discussion. That was a, a particular go-to moment for him. He liked that. Uh, so, so here he's in the house of the ruler of the Pharisees to eat bread on the Sabbath. And they watched him closely. Uh, he sets up the situation. He knows he's going to be watched. They're looking for something to find. He's like, I'm going to give you something. And behold, there was a certain man in front of him who had dropsy. And uh, Jesus, answering, spoke to the lawyers and Pharisees, says, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath? But... They didn't say nothing. And he took him and he healed him and he let him go. And he answered them saying, Now which of you, uh, if we, we, we look at the alternate uh, parallel accounts of this, they, they eventually had something to say <laughs> about this. They, they couldn't keep their mouth shut for too long. He says, Which of you, if you have a donkey and an ox that's fallen into a pit, will not immediately pull him out on the Sabbath day? And they could not answer him regarding these things. Now, we could have the discussion of the Sabbath, but we want to avoid the discussion of, of what Jesus said, as we say. And, and we want to talk about the things that Jesus did. So what draws my attention naturally as a preacher is all the doctrinal discussion. That's where I, my mind <clears throat> immediately goes. That's just my nature. Uh, I'm on the lookout for doctrinal points in texts and and things like that. Uh, so the law and Sabbath and, and all these things, those, those jump into my mind. And I also notice, like I say, I notice the places that Jesus picks to do things. Uh, he's, you know, I, I'm looking at the technical details. And, oh, here he is. He's in the Pharisee's house. And, and, and so he's setting up a discussion with Pharisees and it's going to be about the law and, and, and all these things. Uh, and so my attention gets focused over here, and Jesus is making the Statue of Liberty disappear over here. I was like, what? Wait a minute. How did you do that? You're not focused on the right thing for right now. I want, I, I want to focus on something that's significant. What, what is dropsy? I'm like, I used to think if you're dropsy, it was like you had the Butterfingers. <laughs> like, hey, he's got the dropsies. <laughs> That's not what dropsy is. We're, we're used to Jesus doing so many amazing things. Jesus really doesn't do an amazing thing here. That's interesting. Jesus does a simple thing here. Dropsy is, a, is a non, almost always non-fatal. It, it is a symptom of something. Uh, we call it edema. Or I think I'm pronouncing that right. I probably am not. Uh, it just means water retention. What? This man has water retention. He, he might have some swollen ankles. Now, it can on occasion, in the minority of cases, it, it can be the result of 
congestive heart failure, in which case Jesus healed the heart failure and not just simply the, the symptoms, but, but it can be something like you you, you got to cut back on salt. <laughs> it could have been something simple. Like, why didn't Jesus just tell him, hey, stop eating salt? <laughs> I don't know. But he, but he has a condition, and he's uncomfortable. That, that's really what this amounts to. It, it didn't really hinder him from doing things or getting around, obviously. He's come to a function. He's in public. And Jesus just heals a demo. Now, as, as these, we've seen the other types of uh, situations like this. And there's always multiple people. These aren't small, formal, informal dinners. These are large functions. And so people come. When you hold a, a big thing back then in, in their culture, and a, uh, there was someone recognized as being a popular guest, people came. And I, I've always, you, you know, you, you look at the pictures of Jesus and just healing the massive amounts of people that there were to be healed. You wonder, did he heal them all? No, he didn't heal them all. There, there were people that. Jesus got to the end of his life and getting time ready to go. There's, but I didn't get healed. Yeah. You're going to have to wait for heaven for that one then. There were people that, that Jesus walked by that, that never got healed. There's simply too many. It's like, it's like, it's like you know, Michael Jordan uh, can't sign all the autographs. I know you're a good kid, and, and, and you probably got some thing for, for which I, I should really be... But I can't sign them all. Jesus can't heal everybody. I mean, he can. He could just, Everybody's healed now. But to go up to each one, there's just not time. And so, I, I wonder what this, what this guy was thinking... Is he's at, you know, I'm sure he was like, this is really uncomfortable and I'd like Jesus to heal this. You know, imagine if he's standing next to a guy who's, who's a paraplegic and he's like, oh, there's no chance. <laughs> like, oh boy. I picked the wrong day. That <laughs> ah. was right there. There's no chance. I got a blind guy next to me. Oh, there's no chance. That's not going to happen. Christ is going to go for the bigger one. This is what I want. And Jesus takes the time and heals something minor. He does a minor thing. And I don't think... As I'm looking at this, it's merely what he would be thinking before that would happen. Imagine what he would be thinking after that. Now, I'm sure he'd be excited, but imagine, just put yourself in this position. Imagine you've been healed of something minor, and, uh, and then the person next to you didn't get, and they have a big deal, and they didn't, like, you almost feel embarrassed to, to be happy about what you got. On a more serious note, I don't you know, if someone has lost someone recently, a child, 
You know, these situations happen. Someone loses a child. And you have a kid whose birthday is coming up. You almost don't want to say anything about it. It's just that natural... I, I can I know what they're going through. This is just an, a, a, a a part of us that kind of recognizes. I, I can't imagine this guy. He's been healed of an, a demo. And imagine if there's somebody. I don't know what the situation was. Maybe there was nobody. But but I I just imagine what it was like if there had been that situation where someone with something serious didn't get healed, what would he have thought? That doesn't stop Jesus. Jesus sometimes does the small thing. You know, that I think is a a, a learnable moment for us, or teachable, they call it a teachable moment, a learnable moment for me. We always expect Christ to do the big dramatic thing. <clears throat> and so, because we're trying to be like Christ, we're always looking to do the big dramatic thing. What is that big thing that I could do? That'd be so amazing for Christ. I'm not saying that's a bad desire, but sometimes Christ just says, just do the little thing. Just do a little thing. A cup of cold water in my name. Ah, yeah, but that's not exciting. Yeah. Sometimes Jesus did an unexciting thing. And it was a big thing at the same time. Sometimes, I I wonder if, if doing the small thing was big because he expected not to be healed. Wow. He took time out for that little deal. I wouldn't expect somebody like that to take time out of their schedule to do a little thing for me. And so I, I think that in our own way, in our own lives, and in, in the things around us that, that happen, taking time out for a little thing for somebody can be a big thing. <clears throat> Just to make life a little bit more comfortable. He just that's all he did. He just made life comfortable for this man. And we we talk in vague generalities. We're, we're looking at ministries. I, I'm gonna keep pumping that. For what can we do? You know, there are people that do foster care. Now I I, I can't handle foster care. It's big. What about respite care? You ever do respite care? It's like a day a, a month. And you just like give people a break for an afternoon. That's pretty small. That's pretty small. That's just life being comfortable for a day for somebody. And it's huge for them. I've done that. Things like that that make life comfortable. Hey, we're going to babysit your kids today. That's big. I want to turn to the second one, which I didn't write in my notes. I don't know why I did not write the scripture reference in there. But we know it well. We know the scripture reference well. A man comes 
Yes, demons. It seems like there's demons all the time, and I'm like, how come I never see demons? It seems to be like everybody had demons back then. And there's one particular man that had a group of demons. That's, that's amazing. A group of demons. It's called Legion. That was the, the, their name. I, I, that is a weird idea. Legion. Our name is Legion. We hang out together. <laughs> and we're causing a lot of problems for this guy. And he foams at the mouth. and We know the story. He was out by Gadarenes. On the far side of the Sea of Galilee. And the man was a wild animal. They had to chain him up so people could go near. Think of that. Just He was not in the right psychological frame of mind. A lot going on. And again, some people say, well, he's suffering from a psychological illness and it was just demons was how, how they thought that that was, you know. But it was just a psychological thing. We saw a little bit of this. We saw a, a person, a, a boy, that not really capable because of the influence of demons, but, but this is like to the next level. And so I want to talk a little bit about mental health. I hate that phrase. Some of you might, not because it's a bad phrase, just because it's too general. There's stuff that is grouped in mental health that is not mental health. Now, I'm not qualified to treat psychological problems that leads to lawsuits, just so we're aware of that. <laughs> I'm not even really qualified to diagnose problems. That tends to do damage to people, far beyond the liability issue. You can do damage to people by trying to diagnose things. However, I have learned things and experienced things that in time you go, ah. I was a senior in Bible college and back before cell phones and all that, I don't know how this lady, she was from I think North Carolina, she called the boys dorm. Now the boys dorm was just an apartment building and it was just a bunch of guys and it wasn't like associated with anything on a directory anywhere. She randomly calls the boys dorm and gets me. And, uh, and so, okay, hey, uh, she's like, I have a problem. And we go, go through, and I'm like, uh, this is getting weirder and weirder by the moment. I mean, the government is spying on her, and I've never, ever experienced this before. I'm, a, I'm in college. And she holds a job. She, was, she worked in, um, like, data entry, so she's, like, numbers and all this stuff. And, and every, she's able to hold a job. She's able to do... And, and, other than this one weird part of this conversation, she's able to hold a normal conversation. And that, that was new for me, because I thought, crazy people are crazy people. 
That's, that's the way I thought. And uh, so I, I, I'm like, I want to give her a spiritual answer. Because okay? I'm a Bible college student. And uh, so I had her number. And I go to, to the teacher and he's like, oh, you're dealing with paranoia schizophrenia. Oh. No, I had no idea what that was. He's, you can't give a spiritual answer for that. The only answer you can tell her is to go to a doctor and she's not going to do it. I can just tell you right now. She needs medication. Now, five years later, <laughs> I'm sitting in a, at, a, at a church meeting and, and one of my buddies, Bruce, not you, not this Bruce, <laughs> from, from the time I was a kid, he's talking about the government hiding in his woods. Oh, no, they're not. And I go up to the preacher, I go up to Richard afterwards, I was like, we've got to grab Bruce. <laughs> Something's not right. I've heard that before. See, I, I can't diagnose it, I can't treat it, but I'm pretty sure I know where this is going. That's mental health. But I want to distinguish between things that are labeled as mental health. So many things are lumped into one category that do not belong there. This is important. We're going somewhere with this. There are three types of issues, broad categories that are labeled, and only one of them really belongs there. What I've described belongs there. Psychological issues which stem from chemical problems like bipolar disorder or paranoia schizophrenia or something like that. That is a mental health issue. There are emotional problems which have nothing to do with your mental capabilities. They're not mental health. They can be the result of, they are almost always the result of experiences like abuse or PTSD or something like that. And those are not chemical. Those are emotional. Something, something in here has been damaged. I can help those. And God does help those. They are not in the same order as, as mental health. They are not mental health. They are emotional health. Those are two different things. And there is spiritual health. Mm. This is different. This is even different from emotional health. Spiritual health is a result of things that I have done. Decisions I have made. Priorities that I have. That have damaged me. Expectations I've placed on myself. All these types of things lead to spiritual health issues. And let me tell you something, doctors got no cure for that. They have no answer for that. Medicine is the wrong thing to do. It will not help. It is as wrong to try to treat spiritual problems with medicine as it is for me to try to treat medical problems with the Bible. Just as wrong. Just as damaging.
And so there's a paradox, or a couple of paradoxes that we look at. The secular world is, as I say, ill-prepared. Now, now, here's the deal. Real mental health, I mean real mental health, composes, I don't even know what the estimates are, but I mean debilitating mental health problems that we can't, we can't do with. I would max it out at 3% of what? Maybe 5%? I doubt that. And so, so the secular world takes all of this and says, this is not yours, this is ours. You can't touch that. When really only a small portion of it is really stuff that's not mine. And the vast majority of stuff that people need to deal with that the Bible has answers for, and we can help. We just go, okay, you have it. And they say, here's a little, little blue pill. And we turn over all of these issues to people who cannot help. What a danger. Jesus could have just walked by and said, eh, crazy guy. But he doesn't do that. The Bible's got answers for emotional problems and spiritual problems. Little pills don't. We talk about depression. Depression comes... I'll tell you where depression comes from. There's, there's chemical depression, postpartum depression, or hormonal things like that, yes. The vast majority of depression comes from a couple of sources. Depression in general comes from when you live the way you're not supposed to live. What do I, what I mean by that? Let me give you a physical example. If, if you move to northern Alaska, that's a place where you were not designed to, to live. You're not designed to live there. So after you don't have light, ever watch these alone shows? They go to northern Alaska. Who's watched that? Nobody's watched that? Okay, so we have one. It is amazing how fast you see these guys. Right? I just shot a moose. Right? And their first day, whatever. And then... Give them two weeks, they're crying like a baby in front of a camera. Why? They're depression. They're not supposed to be alone. You're not designed to be alone. You're not designed to be without light. You're not designed to be on the border of starvation. And so when you live the way, even in a physical sense, the way you were not designed to live, the way God did not make you, you will suffer depression. It's going to happen. You see, a week later, they come home, get some burgers in them, get some people, get some light, boom, they're fine. Amazing how that happens. They didn't need pills. They didn't need psychotherapy. They just needed to live the way God designed them to live. And so when you live with trauma that you don't deal with, 
You'll go through depression. Someone did something to you. Forgiveness is a tool God uses to deal with stuff that people go through. Emotional problems that people have from stuff that baggage that other people give you. Forgiveness. It's an amazing tool. Gets rid of a lot of depression. I've heard a story of a woman who was so severely affected she went blind. A preacher went through forgiveness with her and she recovered her sight. That is amazing. I've heard, I've heard of people suffering all, a lot of psychosomatic things. It's not chemical. It is undealt with baggage. So that's the first thing, emotional health. The second thing, I want to go back through, because we talk about spiritual problems. Me doing things that I shouldn't have done. Well, that's pretty simple, isn't it? Repentance. Those two things, repentance and, and, and forgiveness of others, cover an amazing amount. And those are things that, that little pills don't do. And those are answers we have. They're simple. So, so I can't speak to the medical stuff. That's not my area. I can only speak to about 95% of it. That's all I have. Don't give up that 95%. That's what you have. Those answers, and those aren't the only two answers, but those cover such a big area of humanity's problem. You and I are the only ones with the access to the platinum package of medical coverage. <laughs> in terms of spiritual and emotional health. Jesus recognized the man's need. Um, I, I shared with about Bruce. That was medical. It, it was interesting, he said later, he's like, it was like living in a dream. He's like, I, I didn't want to live that way. I just didn't know. I didn't know that there was a different way to think. I thought that was life. I thought everybody thought like that. I thought everybody had... I thought that was reality. And it was like a cloud lifted when I found medication. <laughs> but the same thing is true. When people carry loads on their back and they just think that this is life, this is, this is normal... To live with depression for, for things that have happened to you, and you just got to suck it up, and you, you just got to live life, you just got to go. That's not normal. People people think that, and so they don't know that there's a cure. They don't know that there is help. They don't know that there are simple things that God has extended to humanity to bring us back to the way we were designed to be. Little things, little things 
that are big things, they're hard to do, but they're, they're s- simple. So amazing in their simplicity. That we, I, I, I can look, and you know the faces around you. You know the people that deal with things around you. And if we can extend God's comfort to people, that is a huge thing to people. To, to be able to lift their spirits. Simple things. Restore simple things. Restore people to emotional health and spiritual health. Restore people to comfort if, if it is the little things like that. And it makes a big difference in people's lives. And it makes the gospel suddenly important in their lives. They, they understand, wow, you got that from this? This made you do this for me? That's amazing. I want a God who extends that to people.